Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind taking your copy of the Word of God and turning with me to the Old Testament book of Genesis. The Old Testament book of Genesis and the book of Genesis in chapter number 27. The book of Genesis and chapter number 27. We've been marching through the lineage of Jesus Christ, tracing Jesus Christ's family line starting from Adam and we've walked from Adam and we hit Seth. We continue to go through the Seth line, taking a pit stop of Enoch. We also saw uh, the idea of Moses. We saw the idea of Shem. We saw that lineage carry on through that through that time, we hit Terah, Abraham's father, and saw that he was a man who worshipped other gods. But then we saw this morning Abraham, who was the friend of God, who was willing to forsake that all to walk with his Lord. And of course, we know that God knew that Abraham was going to command his house well and teach his children, including Isaac, the son of promise. And we saw that Isaac at the very beginning was someone also who would walk by faith. In fact, Isaac himself was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as time progressed on, Isaac married, and that was an amazing story of itself. And then him and his wife had twin boys. And with those twin boys, the household begin to fracture just a bit as we start seeing a home in crisis, a home in trouble. And we want to be introduced to this family in the book of Genesis chapter number 27. The book of Genesis chapter number 27. And if you don't mind, let's look together starting at verse number one. The book of Genesis chapter 27 and verse number one. And it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, my son, and he said unto him, behold, here am I. And he said, behold, now I am old and I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison, and bring and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. 
And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will fill me and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory, savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn, and I have done a According to as thou badest me, arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And, and Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his mother, and he felt him. And he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Esau, <coughs> Isaac, said unto him, Come here, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. And let the people serve thee and the nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to them. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of the blessing, Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he had also made savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father rise, and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that taketh the venison and brought it to me, that I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, 
Oh, my father. And he said, Thy father hath come with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is it not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times and took away my birthright. And behold, he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and his brethren which I have given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now to thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven above. And by the sword shall thou live and serve thy brethren. And it shall come to pass when thou have dominion, thou shall break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing whereof his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to Laban, my brother, to Haran. And tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turned away. Until thy brother's anger turned away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? And if you don't mind, as we see this, I'd like to entitle this message, Isaac's Family. Isaac's Family. And with this, we want to examine a very dysfunctional family and also apply it to the world we live in today. So if you don't mind, we'll ex look at this passage, see the idea of Isaac's family. As for now, Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm asking that you would help us to dive into this passage. Lord, to be able to see the different parts of this family and the parts that they play. That we could learn from the mistakes of others. And that you would allow the, the homes that we have to be functioning and decently in order the way that you have determined and that we can trust you in all things as we follow you knowing that when we disobey you that it just leads to destruction heartbreak and more of a fractured home i'm asking lord that you would do something wonderful in our midst today as we see what your word says and in jesus name we pray amen Without a doubt, we live in a country today of broken homes. We live in a place where homes are fractured, families are fighting. We live in a time where things are falling apart, which is a heartbreak because we know that the home is the building block to society and home is the building block to the church. 
that each one of these, the family is the structure, the building block, the foundation, the, uh, what you build the church and society upon. When you have broken homes, you have a broken country. When you have weak and unspiritual homes, you're going to have a weak and unspiritual church. These things go hand in hand. That things must function the way that they ought to inside of the home. Let me tell you, there is hope for the home. God wants blessing upon the home. So much that he examines a broken home and records it for our learning. Not only does this play into history, but it also gives us a snapshot that we can have an understanding of where and how Homes can be dysfunction, shattered, and broken. The very first thing we want to bring our attention to is an unspiritual father. An unspiritual father. Now remember earlier, Isaac was a spiritual man. There was a time where he served as a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those days are no more. In fact, a hundred years have passed since that incident in Mount Moriah to this incident now. Isaac has gotten married. He now has twin boys who have now grown up. And now as Isaac is approximately 137 years old, he's about the same age as his brother Ishmael had passed away. And so he's thinking about eternal things. He's thinking about death. His birthday has come and he says, my eyes are failing me. My senses are failing me. I don't know how long I have on this earth. It's better to put my will. It's better to put these things into order and pass them on now. Notice as we pick it up in the book of Genesis chapter number 27. And let's start at verse number 1. And it come to, came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here, I, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old, and I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me some savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Now, as he's thinking about death, he wants to put his affairs in order, and he has every desire to put his blessing upon his oldest child. Even though they are twins, Esau is technically older, and he wants to put his blessing upon the oldest child. The problem is, is that God had already had something else in mind. Notice with me in chapter number 25. Chapter number 25 and verse number 23. As we get there, we see that Isaac and Rebekah have some children. And as uh, Rebekah is becoming great with child, she says, there's something wrong. There feels like there's a war inside of me. And so they talk to God. In verse number 23, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other. Notice this, and the elder shall serve the younger. And then it comes out, and we can see the first that came out, verse number 25, came out red and over, uh, over like a hairy garment. We'll talk about this in a second, but how hairy was this kid from the very beginning? He came out looking like a furry Elmo just popping out. And, 
And so he came out like a hairy garment and they called him Esau. And then after that uh, came his brother and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. And so here's these twins, literally just a heartbeat apart, that Jacob's got his younger brother, or older brother's heel. And he's only older for a couple seconds, but now they both come out. But God had told her that the older is going to serve the younger. That God wants the blessings, which would include three things. First of all, when someone would inherit the blessings, first of all, they would get a double inheritance than the rest of the family. So they would get a double inheritance. Now, the purpose of this is that the old or the person who received the blessing would have the expectation of continuing to take care of his parents uh, as time gets on. And because of that expectation, they got double uh, of inheritance. So that way they could supply for their parents in their older age. Second of all, they were to act as the family priest, meaning they were there to represent and to pray before the before God. And they were also supposed to lead the family. And so that was part of the blessing. The third in context of what we're talking about is going to end up carrying the lineage of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. And this was going to run through the one with a blessing. Now, God had said, I want Jacob, Jacob is going to carry the lineage of Christ. Jacob is the one with the blessing. I want the younger to be in charge and the older is going to have to serve him. Now, all the family knew this. We know that Isaac knew this. Rebecca definitely knew this. God told her. The two boys knew about this. They actually fought over it later on uh, as time went on. There was a time that Esau was out hunting in the field and he comes in, didn't catch anything. And his brother's making a bowl of chili and he says, hey, feed me before I die. Well, Jacob says, you really think you're going to die? Why don't you sell me your blessing? Sell me your, your uh, oldest spot. And he says, what good is an oldest spot going to do if I die? Just feed me. Give me some. And so for a bowl of chili, he sold out his inheritance. So technically, God had promised it to Jacob. Jacob had already purchased it. In a roundabout way, he didn't have to, but he did. But now here it is. Everyone knows that Jacob twice has been told that he is going to be the inheritor. But here is Isaac, who is now no longer spiritual, who wants to bypass God's plan, and he wants his will to be accomplished and not God's. The problem with Isaac now is that he has become carnal. He has become unspiritual. The word carnal carries the idea of flesh. When we talk about a carnivore, that is a flesh eater. When we talk about a carnal Christian, we're talking about someone who is saved, but they're not spiritual. They just want to feed their flesh. They want their flesh to be in charge. Notice if you don't mind, we're coming back here, but let's take a quick pit stop in the book of Romans chapter number eight, and let's see what the Bible has to say during the idea of carnality. The book of Romans chapter number eight, now this is going to shed some light on where Isaac is at. This is why it's important. The book of Romans chapter number eight, the book of Romans chapter eight, and notice with me if you don't mind, Romans chapter eight, starting at verse number Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Meaning that if you are more concerned with the flesh, 
or if you live after the flesh, you're more fleshly minded, you're going to pay attention to what your flesh wants. And, but they that are after the spirit, meaning they have a desire to follow after God, mind the things of the spirit. Notice verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we have two choices as a believer. You could follow the flesh, which leads to death and destruction. Or you could follow God's plan, spirituality, which leads to death, to life and peace. We have a choice as believers how to live. Notice in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is, present tense, enmity against God. Notice this. Those who live in the flesh, those that follow after the flesh, currently present tense are the enemy of God. Why? Because God has a plan, but those who live and follow after the flesh don't care about God's plan and get in the way of God's plan. For Isaac's family, God's plan was for Jacob to receive the blessing. Isaac, because he's minding the flesh, is now in the way of God's plan. He is now the enemy of God by default because he cares more for his own. By the way, why does he want Esau? Because he was daddy's boy. It was his favorite. And now that he has a favorite, he wants his favorite to receive the blessings. Notice as it goes on in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Your flesh will never willingly on purpose follow God. Never, ever, ever. By the way, you don't accidentally follow God. It is a purposeful, intentional choice. Because your flesh will not follow God if it leaves the choice. And we all know that. Your flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. You have no problems reading other things. Newspaper, Facebook. You have no problems reading those things. But it's such a fight to read the Bible. You know, our flesh doesn't want to pray. I mean, we have no problems talking to anybody else. But man, prayer is such a big deal. Our flesh does not want to serve God. And it fights. And the Bible says that. It says, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. They are separate. They, are, they do not follow God. Your flesh and your spirit are two diametrically opposed forces. They do not coincide. Verse number eight. So then, so then they that are in the flesh, notice this, can not please God. Now this is important. Because here we have a man who is now in the flesh. He is a carnal man. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Isaac wanted to bypass God's plan. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Now interesting enough. Now remember that the Bible has no accidents or no coincidences. That when you read this. Now remember Genesis has things in seed form. That later on the Bible is going to have fully developed form. Inside of the book of Genesis chapter number 27. The idea of carnal and meat are represented over and over and over again. Savory meat is mentioned six times. Venison mentioned seven times. Eating eight times. He was controlled by a carnal appetite. There are 20 references to his fleshly desires just 
in this one chapter. Now again, because the Bible is a progressive revelation, Genesis is at the beginning, we're going to understand the book of Romans is going to be written out later, but God is putting things in here now through his inspiration to kind of put emphasis. Notice the emphasis on his eating on the meat. He is putting an emphasis that this is a carnal man and it's giving a physical, visible representation of what is spiritually going on. That God is putting an emphasis that Isaac is not right with God right now. He's not in a good place. He is all about his flesh. And he is using his flesh as a way to make his son earn, receive the blessing. In order to get the blessing, you have to feed my flesh. Here we have an unspiritual father who's in the place where it's all about his flesh. He thought that he can do a spiritual thing in a carnal way. You cannot. The spirit and and your flesh never coincide. They are always opposite. You cannot do God's work in our flesh. You cannot do a spiritual work in a fleshly carnal way. They do not work. You must do things God's way all the time or it does not work. So we start off here with an unspiritual father. An unspiritual father. Dad is not right. Well, just to add to it, mom's not right either. Not only do we have an unspiritual father, we have an unsurrendered wife. An unsurrendered wife. Notice with me in verse number five. And Isaac sent away, uh, sorry, verse number Uh, I need to be in the right chapter. Chapter 27, verse 5. And Rebekah, the wife, heard heard when Isaac spoke to Esau, her son. And when Esau went out to the field to go hunt for venison and bring it in. And Rebekah spoke unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak to Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat it and bless thee before the Lord before thy death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command. Now, here is a wife here who heard what her husband's desire was. Was her husband right? Nope. But she hatches a plan to bypass what he wants. She's unsubmitted. She is unsurrendered. She doesn't care what her biblical authority wants. She says, we're going to bypass it. We're going to trick him. We're going to do things my way. And we're going to get things accomplished the way I want. Now, does she really want things lined up with God? No. She has her favorite. Isaac has Esau, his favorite. And here's Jacob, mama's boy. And she wants mama's boy, my favorite. You could tell this is a divided home. When you have favorites and you have people joining sides and saying you're on my side and we're against them, this is a home that's falling apart very rapidly. This is a home that's dysfunctional where the people barely tolerate each other. They pass through the hall and you barely give a grunt when they pass by. It is just an awful broken place. And so she hatches a plan. Jacob, come here. We're going to trick your dad. And we're going to get it so you get the blessing. Esau is away and it's going to take him a while to go get a deer. That's what venison is in case you did not know. We're talking to Wisconsiners. I'm sure you know. Isaac's out or Esau's out. He's hunting some venison. It's going to take some while for his bow and arrow to go get it. So we got some time here. So what I want you to do, son, is I want you to go out in the goat pen and I want you to pick out two goats. 
And I want you to bring him in. We got a plan. Notice as she goes on in verse 8, uh, verse number 9. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats. And I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. Now she's married to him. She knows how to prepare his meat. But she's bringing something else. Instead of deer meat, she's bringing goat meat. Are they the same thing? Well, somebody might not understand, but hunters do. They are not the same. But she says, I know how to prepare it. I know how to fix it. He'll never notice the difference. We're going to trick your dad. And so you go get them. Obey what I tell you to do. Well, Jacob kind of brings up an objection here. Verse number 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. All right? So I don't have a lot of hair. My brother, he is a hairy monster. There is a big difference between us. How are we going to solve this problem? I want you to notice the words of verse number 12. This is interesting. My father per adventure, or sorry, we're going to get into this in a second. So he has this objection, but she has this plan. Rebecca has the plan and she's going to bypass it. Interesting enough, all throughout this passage, you're going to notice that all five of Isaac's senses deceive him. Do you know that you can be lied to? even by your own senses. His sight fails him. He can't see which son it's talking to. His smell fails him. Remember towards the end in verse number 27, he brought Jacob close to him and he smelled the uh, goat. And he said, oh, it smells like outside. Yeah, it smells like outside in the goat pen. It wasn't the outside fresh air. His smell failed him. His sight failed him. His smell failed him. His taste failed failed him. It definitely wasn't venison. It was goat. His taste failed him. And his feeling failed him. All of his senses failed him. You know that something about uh, being an unspiritual man is that your senses can lie to you. Things that you feel is right. Things that you know is right. Things that you expect to work Don't, because you were lied to. You know your own flesh will lie to you. And here, just to add to it, you have an unsubmitted wife who's going to manipulate the senses that are already failing and help lie to him even more. We have an unsurrendered wife, which now brings us to an unscrupulous brother. An unscrupulous brother. Now, he does bring up this objection. Hey, I'm, I'm smooth. My brother's hairy. But notice with me in verse 12. My father peradventure will feel me. Notice this. And I shall seem to him as a deceiver. Notice Jacob wasn't worried about being a liar. He was worried about seeming to be a liar. He had no problems with the lying part. He just did not want to be caught. Here's a practice liar. By the way, the word Jacob means liar. That's what his name meant. And all throughout the scriptures, uh, in his early part of his life, he lies and manipulates and fights and tries to force things to happen, including now. But don't call him a liar. He's willing to fight you for that. He just doesn't want to be seen like a liar. He was willing to do whatever it took to get this blessing however possible but he didn't want to seem like a liar. 
Notice it goes on. <laughs> his mother, uh, verse number uh, 13, and his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. By the way, she's lying. Later on, when uh, Jacob's getting caught, she didn't take the blame and tell Esau, you know what, don't blame your brother, it was me. She sent her son away. By the way, because of this incident, she lost her son and she has to send him away and she never sees him ever again. Do you think it was worth it in the end when she dies without her favorite boy being there? And she's stuck with Esau, the unsaved son, who's bringing them more grief? Do you think the last part of her life she thinks, you know, the greatest thing I ever did was lie to my husband? Not at all. All of this is going to come crashing down on all four of them. And so she said, upon me... Uh, be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went out and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which was in her house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. So here they go raid Esau's closet, and they put Esau's clothes on Jacob. There you go. Now you dress like your brother. Obviously, they dressed differently. And then, verse 16, she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. How hairy was this guy in the first place? Have you ever felt goat skin? I meant someone to be that hairy. That is a hair. He looks like a Muppet. I mean, he is just a furry rug. And remember... Later on, Isaac feels it, says, yep, that feels just like Esau. How hairy was that guy? Man, can you imagine checking that DVD out in heaven and just, I just want to see what he looked like. I mean, in my mind, he just now looks like an adult version of Elmo. It just, I, I can't get that image out of my head now. Now, neither can you. Verse number 17. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared. By the way, Jacob didn't prepare it. That was part of Esau's test. Is that he had to cook it or catch it, cook it, and serve it. Here, Jacob did nothing. It was handed to him. Here, you go do this. I'll take care of the lying for him. You just carry it out. And he came to his father and said to my father. And he said, here am I. Who art thou, my son? Now, beginning right here. Esau or Jacob tells his dad five lies. I mean, he's an accomplished liar. Five different lies he tells his father. Now, is that the way to get things accomplished in God's work is to lie? Absolutely not. You could see every single person in this family is not right with God. It is at fault. And every single one of them are going to be miserable from this point on because they all had their own plan so Jacob does his part and he lies to his dad. He says, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I got to change that. I am Esau, thy firstborn. I can imagine Esau, he's a rugged man and he's got a deep face voice. And here's Jacob, mama's boy. Hi, dad, how are you? Well, you sound like Jacob. No, <clears throat> I'm Esau. And tried, I got a cold. <laughs> And so here um, we see that not only is his eyes failing, but how his hearing is failing. Now, I have kids. 
I am pretty sure that most of the time I could tell the voices of my kids. Unless it's on the phone, then who knows who it is. But I could tell the kids in my voice, even if I can't see them, I know which child is yelling at the other child. Right? You guys have that fools of parents. You know which child it is. He goes, I think it's Jacob, but you say it's Esau's voice. So maybe, okay, I'll just trust you on that. His ears are failing him and he can't even trust his ears. 19, and Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. <clears throat> I'm Esau, thy firstborn, and I've done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless me. His voice is probably getting sore, trying to, practicing all day to sound just like Esau. And, <laughs> and Isaac said to his son, how is it? Now, notice, Isaac's pretty suspicious. He's asking questions. And how is it that thou would found it so quickly, my son? And he, Jacob, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. All right? There's another lie. God blessed it. God brought it to my path. And Isaac said to Jacob, come near. I pray thee that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Now again, Isaac's suspicious, but he's kind of topsy-turvy. All right? You say you're Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. All right? Let's do the field test. Oh, man, it feels just like Esau. I guess you're really Esau. How hairy was that guy? <laughs> Anyways. And 22, and Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And the voice, of, is, ja the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he, Isaac, discerned Jacob not. Because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. How hairy was that guy? And he said, art thou my very son Esau? Now he's still suspicious. And he said, I am. He lied again. Bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison. And my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him. And he did eat. And he brought him wine and he did drink. And his father Isaac said, come here now and kiss me my son. Now again, his taste failed him. He ate the goat, thought it was venison. He's hearing the voice, but ah, it must be wrong. I can't see him. My eyes are failing me. Everything's failing on him. He's being deceived. And verse number 27, And he, Jacob, came near and kissed him. And he smelled this, the smell of his raiment, of G, uh, Jacob slash Esau's raiment. He smelt Esau's clothes, his own smelling I had now failed him. And he blessed him and said, See the smell of my son as, is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore the Lord, and he goes on and gives these blessings unto Jacob. And then verse number 30, And it came to pass as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob. Jacob was yet scarce gone out of the presence of Isaac when Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. Obviously Esau did a very good job hunting and got, got it back pretty quick. But not quick enough. And now Jacob receives the blessing. And Esau has nothing left. We now see the unsaved son. We start with an unspiritual father. An unsurrendered wife. An unscrupulous uh, brother. And an unsaved son. Notice here. As uh, uh, Isaac now comes and. Verse number 31, and he, Isaac, also made savory meat and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his venison that 
thy soul may bless thee. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? Now can you imagine Esau, how shocked he would be when his dad looks at him and says, Who are you? What do you mean, dad? I just did what you told me to do. I'm back. Notice in verse 33, And Isaac trembled very exceedingly. Isaac knows he's in trouble now. He knows he's been deceived and lied to. But what is done is done. That back then your word was your bond. He just gave the blessing to Jacob. By the way, uh, we'll get into it in a second. Notice in verse 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. And said to his father, bless me, even me also my Lord. Now in my mind's eye, Esau is a man's man. But what we see here is a man's man that probably is just broke down, cried. And we can see he's crying, weeping in tears. In my mind's eye, he's probably never cried before. You can imagine just an old rugged outdoorsman, just man, no emotions. But when this happened and his brother stole this blessing, he is brokenhearted. Now, by the way, he's already given up his blessing beforehand. God had already told him that the blessing wasn't his. He just wants it just because. He doesn't care about the lineage of Christ. He doesn't care about being the family priest. But he wants daddy's approval here. And it's all about him. It's nothing spiritual. It's just the idea that he has his own mind of what's going on. Verse number 35 and he said, Isaac said, thy brother came with subtlety and had taken away thy blessing. And he said, is it not rightly named Jacob? Uh, speaking of Esau, Esau said, is it not rightly named Jacob? For he have supplanted, he had lied to me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he had taken away my blessing. And he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Now, Esau's resentments, both right and wrong. Jacob stole the blessing he didn't have to because God had already given to him while Esau willingly had already sold it. Esau had no claim to it twice, but yet he wants it because it's, he thinks it's his. So Esau's new plan, kill Jacob. His plan is as soon as Isaac died, verse 41, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his brother blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Meaning that my dad's going to die and after an appropriate mourning period, I'm going to kill him. And by the way, that wasn't figurative speaking like brothers and sisters say, I'm going to kill you. He meant it. And by the way, when word got to Rebecca, she found out about it and she knew it. Esau was determined to kill his brother. And so she said, listen, you go up north to Haran. You go see my brother Laban. You go take off and run now. Wait up there until your brother's no longer mad, until he forgets about this business. And you just stay up there until, he's, until you're safe. And he left and she never saw him again. Her baby boy, she sent away. Now here is a family broken. A family that is miserable. Can you imagine family dinners with the three of that's left after this? They probably didn't have family dinners. Here's Isaac. Now, he probably doesn't know anything about, um, about 
what is going on with his wife trying to deceive him. Because she kept that pretty quiet, never took the blame like she said she would. But she probably resents her husband for making her chase away her baby boy. Even though it's her fault, she probably blames Isaac. She's probably very resentful of, of, of Esau because Esau doesn't control his temper. And let me tell you, my baby boy would be safe if it wasn't for your temple. If you weren't saved, if it wasn't because... And by the way, she speaks a lot about him not being right with God. And it's proven in his marriages that he has. Here's Jacob who now has to go live with an uncle who lies to him and changes his wages seven times. And we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. Here's Isaac who has now left his lost one son and the other son is mournful and bitter and he's upset with himself for having his senses lied to him. This is a family that's in crisis and a family that's not doing well. You said, what in the world do we get out of this? Well, what I want to remind you is that we must do things God's way. God does place an order. He does say that there are things to have a healthy household and that we can have a healthy household and that we have to follow things God's way. First of all, everybody in the family needs to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. That if a family is going to operate the way that they should, then they need to follow God together. In addition, we understand that every marriage consists of three people. The husband, wife, and God. And that some people, the world teaches that the goal of a marriage is that the husband and wife are supposed to get closer together horizontally. But the Bible says that if the wife is, has the goal of God and the husband has the goal of God, that as they get closer to God, they by default will get closer together. That we know that we're made up of three parts. We're made up of spirit, we're made up of soul, and we're made up of body. And that the goal of marriage is for us to become one in body, one in spirit, and one in soul. That a marriage working together is when the family is, all three of them are connected together and are joined together as one. Now that takes work and it's not easy, but it can be done and that's the goal. But there should be a thing that's operating. We understand that kids get affected when you have a father who is not right with God, who is carnal and not spiritual. We understand that when you have family members that are lying to each other and cheating and trying to get their own way and nobody's trusting God, you're going to develop a place of destruction. We know that the, how, the home is the building block to society. You say, well, what do I do? Well, you can't do much about the past, but what you can do is start from where you are and move forward. If nothing else, you could also take this example and teach others and say, let me tell you, don't make the mistakes that I made. Let me help you so that way you can follow God and have the pattern for your home. We understand that we live in such a world now that most homes are broken. They are fractured. They are not functioning right. We know that, uh, that uh, we look at homes and we could just turn and look at our own front porch. But let me tell you, this is not what God desired, nor is it what God wanted. And God can give hope for the home. We start from where we are and we move forward. And we have a family here who was raised better. Isaac was once a picture of Christ. 
but now was far, far away. What do we do with such things? Well, you can't do anything about your spouse. You can't do anything necessarily about others. As an evangelist says, what you can do is mind your own business. You work on you being right with God. And if you work on you being right with God and they work on them being right with God, then you will follow after God. Parents need to be parents. We understand part of the problem here with Jacob and Esau is that the parents were not being the parents. They were using the kids to get their own means accomplished and not looking out for the kids. Do you think Rebecca was honestly looking out for Jacob's best interest by what she did? Not at all. She was trying to bypass her husband's wishes in order to get what she thought was best accomplished. We could see here as a home that's fractured. One of the saddest stories in the Bible, especially knowing who Isaac's father was, the friend of God. We also learn here is that you can never take your spirituality for granted. You know, you could be right with God for now, but you start living in the flesh, start living in the flesh, and start living in the flesh, and everything goes sideways. You have to constantly work on dying to self and following after God. Unless our flesh takes over. And as a reminder, your flesh and senses will lie to you. You have to trust God and his word and follow after him. Even when your own senses lie to you. An awful story. But again, there's hope for the home. We have this written down for us. So we can live the life's that we ought to live and have the blessings God desired us to have. When we speak about this, we have teenagers in the congregation. You know why preachers preaching this? Because I want you to have the home that you ought to have. I want to strengthen the things that remain. I want people that when they're thinking about wives and spouses, that if you are going to find the wife that you ought to have, you should be the man you ought to be. Ladies, when you're looking for the man you ought to have, you ought to be the lady you ought to be. You can't expect them to be spiritual and you not. You can't expect them to follow God and you don't have to. You have a responsibility to be the best person you ought to be. So that way you can marry the one that God wanted you to have. One of the favorite verses in the Bible is that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I'm so thankful that God can put things together and he can make it work. And you just start from where you are and move forward. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight. 
If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.